Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character in our technology and media-saturated world. You know, we call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to stay on top of technology and then discern how you'll incorporate that into your family's lives. Our ultimate goal is to inform and equip you to parent your tech-savvy kids. All right, in today's news, we have the abrupt removal from the Apple App Store of the parental control apps. Now, the New York Times recently did an article highlighting this, saying how Apple was cracking down on apps that fight iPhone addiction. And the crux of this is that from the App Store, Apple removed 11 of the 17 most popular third-party parental control apps that help oversee children's use of their phone. Now, Apple is saying that it was a matter of privacy and security that they removed these apps. However, the New York Times led a lot of parents to believe that it was because of competition. Now, whether it's for competition or privacy and security, what you need to know as a parent is this is why it happened. What a third-party parental control app allows is it allows, for example, let's take Our Pact, which is a very popular parental control app. That app itself helps control what other apps on the iPhone is doing or on the Android phone, but the iPhone specifically. So that means the Our Pact app can not only limit how much time is being played on Fortnite or how much time is being spent on Instagram, but it can see everything that's being done. It can see what's being posted on those websites. It can see how much time, all of that. Now that data is then stored on the Our Pack server, if you will, in order to be analyzed and then provide it to the parent. And that's where Apple is saying this is a matter of privacy and security because Our Pack doesn't own the device that it's helping modify. You know, the parent owns the device and yes, they might be paying for the service, but according to Apple's App Store Terms of Service, this violates what they consider to be for privacy and security. Now, the controversy and why it became kind of a big deal is because, you know, for years, App Store has allowed these apps to operate and function with the knowledge that they were using this mobile device management software. They were allowing one app to, to control and see what other apps are doing, but now they're cracking down. So now if you were, you know, you, a subscriber and you use these parental controls to help um, limit your children's phones, you can still use those apps. They're still functional. However, they are removed from the app store temporarily. Um, you just will not be able to update them. In other news, the Ever app was recently reported to be using all of its pictures that it was utilizing in their um, photo storage to develop facial recognition software. Now, the Ever app's logo was Make Memories. And what it was essentially is a cloud storage app that allowed you to make memories, right? Take tons of pictures and then offload those pictures from your phone in order to save space onto the Ever app. And they would then store them on their servers, sort of a cloud service. Well, what began in 2013 as a lot of people used it and they believed their terms of service was just that, just storage of their photos. They, at some point, changed their terms of service and it became known that they were using all of these pictures to develop facial recognition software. Now, the um, Ever AI, Artificial Intelligent Website, 
um, makes no mention of these best moments and making memory snapshot. Now it's saying that, hey, we have this ever-expanding private global data set of 13 billion photos and videos that they're using to develop the best-in-class facial recognition software. So what you need to know as a parent is, you know, this app that may be really convenient to use right now could potentially change their terms of service and actually misuse your data. And that's sort of the the growing concern overall with all of these apps and all of this technology that's advancing so quickly that we really need to be conscious of, of what we're allowing other apps and other businesses, anything related to our privacy and our data, who's going to have access to that? Something to consider when you consider where your photos are stored, especially if you've ever used the Ever app. Now, in our character focus today, we're going to discuss the virtue of trustworthiness. Now, trustworthiness is sort of the ability to be relied on as honest and truthful. So we've all discussed previously, you know, the virtue of honesty, but trustworthiness is a little bit different, right? Because it's more of, you know, can someone actually place their trust in you? Are you going to not only be honest, but are you going to be truthful? One way to describe it is a person who can prove their trustworthiness is someone who can um, fulfill an assigned responsibility, not let down expectation, and that has proven integrity. A lot of times it's something you definitely earn. So you can't just say, hey, I'm a trustworthy person. And then someone shares all your secrets. You can't just say that you're trustworthy. You have to prove yourself over time as trustworthy. So how does this relate to our kids and technology when we consider this character? A lot of times online, it's hard to tell who is trustworthy, right? Right now, there's a lot of fake news, um, a lot of you know, concern right now about how you can tell if a website is actually being truthful about what it's reporting or not. And really that goes along for their peers as well. It's pretty easy to put out on social media or to to portray yourself on the internet as something that you're not. So what does that look like for being truthful online? Well, one thing that you can definitely say, you know, when it comes to our kids is teaching them to be um, reliable, to do what they say and um, to say what they're going to do. Have the courage to always do the right thing, to be loyal and to stand by friends, and to not be deceiving, cheating, or stealing. And I think that's really crucial when it comes to this technology too, because it's easy to deceive. It's easy to put a picture up there that may be highly edited to make you look better than who you are. And you might not think that that doesn't make you trustworthy, but in essence, when you can say, to, you know, when you look at someone and say, you don't look anything in real life like you look like online, subconsciously, that, that can make someone feel that you are not trustworthy because you're not um, authentic and true to who you really are. You are deceiving. And that's not trustworthiness. Also, you know, there's two sides. Um, not only do you have to trust others, um, but others are going to trust you. So maintaining that sort of integrity on and offline is really important. So one way that you can do this um, in your own character as a parent, as you lead your children by role modeling, is number one, consider that trust builds trust. You may think, well, my children really aren't that trustworthy. They've not earned my trust. 
But when you trust others and confer that value onto that other person, it's reciprocal. And in order to get it, you sort of have to give it. So even though our children may fail, we trust them again. And maybe they, you know, you trust them in one thing and they don't always succeed. Or maybe after a while they failed a little bit. That doesn't mean that we're never going to trust them again. We continue to expect them to be trustworthiness, talk about it, and then give them more opportunities to be trustworthy. Be selfless. It's kind of hard online to um, be selfless when everybody is sort of out for themselves, out for their, um, their own platform or their own voice to be heard. However, nothing really undermines trust more than self-interest. So if you're selfish with your time or with your energy or with your resources, um, that doesn't necessarily build trust. Also, take risks. It's important to put yourself out there into new trusting situations um, and repeat positive experiences. That's how trust is grown. And also, you know what? Get up close and personal and be involved in the community. That can help build your trustworthiness as you make real life face-to-face interactions with people. A lot of times online, that's hard to sort of build that reputation of being trustworthy. But the more time that you spend in community with other people face-to-face and in that relationship, that is where trustworthiness can grow. All right, in our apps, five facts, we will be talking about the app Find My Family by Life360. Now, the first thing you need to know about Find My Family is that it is a real-time location sharing app. It is classified as social networking, but essentially what it does is it allows one set of family to link everyone's phones together in one place and you can always know where other family members are. Fact number two is notifications of coming and going. This is the crucial benefit of, say, Find My Family versus just using maybe another um, location tracking that's already built into your Apple or Android phone. This gives you the notifications um, of people set up in your family circle of when they leave school or when they arrive home or when they leave work or when they arrive at the library. All of those different things are coming into all of the family members inside that circle. Fact number three of Find My Family is that it offers a private chat for you to use within your circle. So this is sort of another messaging platform as many apps often use and have. This would enable you to, so if you and your four children were using this app, you could communicate directly through the Find My Family app instead of using traditional text messages. Find My Family also offers some paid options, even though the app in itself is free, they offer Life360 Plus. And what this is, is for $2.99 a month or $24.99 a year, it gives you a 30-day history of the locations as well as some local crime alerts. So it gives you just a few more um, functionalities there of tracking history in case um, maybe you turned off some notifications and you wanted to go back and, and find out you know, where your child was on a certain day. The more commonly used paid feature is the Life360 Driver Protect. And this is $7.99 a month or $69.99 a year. And what it does is it gives you driving analysis. And that is, it's going to tell you how fast your child is driving 
um, at any point in time where they went, they went from home and to school. It's going to tell you their average speed. can also provide 24-7 care support for the child when they're driving and also crash detection. If there was a significant crash, it would detect going from high speed you know, to a sudden stop. It would notify um, not only the, the rest of the people in the circle on Find My Family, um, it could also notify 911. A lot of parents really like this feature. They like being able to sort of have that um, governance over their children when they're driving, being able to track their speed, know um, where they're going and how fast they're driving to get there. The fifth fact is our ratings for the Find My Family. Now the App Store rated as four plus and the Google Play Store rates it E for everyone. Now the the Life360 Find My Family app says that you need to be 13 or older in order to have an account, which of course we know anytime it's going to be um, collecting or tracking data, that person needs to be 13 years or older legally for that company to do that. Um, However, they say that you can use the app under 13 when invited by a parent. So if you obviously are a parent, an adult, you can create the account and invite your children who may be under 13 in order to use the app. Now, Brave Parenting stance is that if you wanted to use the app, um, we do believe that it would be fine for a child pretty much when they have a smartphone. Now, I will tell you that this app is pretty much known to teenagers as sort of like the worst nightmare app. They don't want their parents to know about it, hear about it because of the constant tracking as well as the speed and and all of that that is entailed. Um, However, I do think that if you had a child who has a smartphone at a younger age and maybe they're going to be um, walking home from school or even taking the bus home from school but being home alone for a certain amount of time or getting rides to and from while you're at work, I think that this app could be beneficial if they were young enough that you really needed to know they're coming and going, as well as it would provide them some ease and confidence of knowing where mom and dad was um, at all times when they were leaving work to come home. I will say that as a teenager, I think that um, this could be potentially too much monitoring. I know I do not use this app. Um, I do have the ability to track my children's location, but I generally do so when I cannot find them or get a hold of them. Um, however, you know, when we think about trustworthiness, we definitely want our kids to, to prove themselves trustworthy. And one thing is, is trusting them to say, you know, hey, I'm going to so-and-so's house or we're going to go eat here. And then trusting that they are actually doing so. It builds this level of freedom um, as well as responsibility in them and knowing that they have have proven their trust and they can do this without you sort of micromanaging them um, every minute of the day, knowing exactly when they got to the restaurant, knowing when they went out to the car, knowing when, you know, they're getting to someone else's house. So, but Brave Parenting does find the app, you know, pretty benign as far as uh, safety and security. It's just a matter of whether or not this app is right for your family. In today's family focus, we're going to be discussing third-party parental controls versus Apple's screen time. Now, the difference is is whether or not you're going to pay for another company to use this MDM, this mobile device management, as we talked about in the news, or if you're going to utilize, if you have an Apple phone, if your child has an iPhone, 
the screen time that is already built into the operating system. Now, a lot of people do like the third-party parental controls. They do come at a fee. Um, PC Magazine has recently sort of rated them um, as far um, as which ones have um, not only the best price, but have the best support or which is available on which kind of devices. And we'll have a link to this um, in the show notes that you can check out. Um, Custodio is one of the top ones, um, as well as Norton, um, Boomerang. There's several of them that are on there. And most of them offer um, you know, pretty robust controls. You can not only turn off certain apps during certain time periods, you can set bedtimes, you can put filtering for different content on the web browsers. And that is all really fantastic. Again, we have some of that controversy going on as to whether or not these third-party parental apps can actually do that on that iPhone. But if you have an Android phone, I definitely think these are your best options as a parent in order to set some external limits for your children so that they can um, not only have that content filtering on the internet, but as well as um, set time limits for certain games or certain apps that you don't want them spending maybe five hours on. You only want them to be able to spend like 45 minutes a day. This is a great option. But when we compare these parental controls, again, what you're paying for, to Apple's screen time, um, for the most part, I will say that you can get a lot of the same features. Apple screen time allows for a downtime. Now you can set that anytime. You can change it remotely from your phone. And what that does is it sort of shuts down all of the apps completely. Again, something that the third-party parental controls can do as well. You can set app limits. You can set it for a category, uh, which would maybe include all social networking, or you can do individual apps. Say, for example, they have the game app Fortnite, and you wanted to set a limit to where they could only play for you know 45 minutes or one hour a day on their phone. You could set that specific limit within that. Same thing you could do on a parental um, control app that you're paying for. It does allow you to give them access even during downtime to certain features. Obviously, the phone is always accessible since that's the core reason uh, for the device is is a phone. It does allow for also content and privacy restrictions. A lot of things can get through the iOS content restrictions. Um, It mainly works for Safari limiting adult websites, but it also allows for you to to block specific websites, um, which can be beneficial if you specifically are concerned, say, about pornography. You could block directly those pornography type of websites. You know, and there are backdoors um, through different apps to get um, on the internet and actually search these type of websites. And that really becomes more of a, of a conversation. One app or program is not going to do all of the, your parenting work for you. So much is it about conversations and teaching uh, moderation. But what these, whether it be parental control or screen time does allow is for there to be blocks to really um, stop them from overusing um, and guiding them in, in good habits and good behavior. So if you're considering one or the other, uh, if you know if you're on a budget, I wouldn't say Apple Screen Time when you really use it to its most efficient state is just as good as a third-party parental control app. However, again, if you have Android, I definitely recommend that you pay for some sort of service to provide that filtering service for your internet as well as blocking certain apps that you don't want 
or really just even blocking the download of apps altogether. You can check out, um, again, our show notes, and we'll also have a link for you for a document that will show you exactly how to set up Apple Screen Time. If you have Apple phones and you've not set that up and you don't have any third-party control applications set up either, you can start with Screen Time, check it out and see how that works. And then you can always um, look into another third-party parental control if that was needed. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you miss anything on the show or you want to learn more, you can find us online at braveparenting.net. Or if you have any questions about what we discussed today, you can email your questions to podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look at how you can build strong character using the technology children love, you can pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media, and every child needs a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Now, go and be brave.